0: Hey everyone, it's Caleb and so glad that you decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me today and today I have a great episode for you today because I am talking with Gerald Fediomi who is an author who's been on the podcast before as well and today I am talking with him about his brand new book when Life gives you Lemons Three must Ask questions for navigating seasons of adversity and just to tell you a little bit about Gerald Gerald serves as the founder and president of the Stello initiative which is a 501c3 organization that mobilizes young adults to serve through service-based conferences. And like I said, Gerald's been on the podcast before, whenever he released his book called Before You Go, which is for, uh, for high school seniors and for college students as well. And before I get to that conversation, I just want to remind you that the music that you're listening to is brought to you by my good friend, Sam Massey. And if you have any audio or video needs, be sure to hit him up, um, for, for any of that, that you may have needs for as well. Now, as I mentioned today, I'm talking with Gerald Fidiomi and here is our conversation. Gerald, super excited to have you on the podcast
1: today. Yeah, man, I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and you have this uh, book that uh, probably by the time that this uh, podcast is out has come out called "When Life Gives You Lemons." And as as we get started, I'm always curious about kind of what led uh, what led authors to decide to come up with the idea for the book and yeah. and decide to write about it. And so, can you just tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the subtitle of the book are Three Must ask Questions for Navigating Seasons of Adversity. Um, and unfortunately, I've been through a lot of adversity in my life, um, you know, starting from a really young age with two parents who never married, a dad who left in the third grade, um, a mom who's diagnosed with schizophrenia, uh, which led to homelessness and foster care for me, um, a mom who went to jail my junior year of high school. And at 16, I was pretty much on my own, having three friends who were murdered, one friend commits suicide. Um, And then as of recent, missing the birth of our identical twin girls because of coronavirus. And so um, I've been through a lot of adversity and for most of my life, I've just handled it really poorly. Um, And it hasn't been really until recently that my perspective on some things have started to change. And I've started to ask myself some different questions when hard things come my way. And that process has been really healing for me. And it's also helped me grow through the adversity that's come my way. And so um, my, my hope and my goal in writing this book is to maybe help some people who are in a season of adversity. It's funny, like with coronavirus, we're all kind of in that space right now, you know? Um, but maybe help some people who, who are going through a hard time, um, maybe see, see some things a little bit differently and have some new perspective, so.
0: Yeah, can, can you tell me a little bit about what was the turning point for you of like flipping your perspective?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I wrote a, a sermon a couple of years ago on the life of Joseph um, and just looking at all the adversity that he had faced. And that's what the book is, is all based on. Um, and it was honestly with, with my girls being born and me sitting in my backyard, my wife is at the hospital. I can't be there because I'm waiting on a coronavirus test result to come back. And I'm sitting in the backyard and immediately the Lord brought that sermon back to my mind. And there were three questions that I asked students to process in that sermon. And I said, in my backyard and I started asking myself these questions, and I just started feeling this peace. Um, I felt like I had some tangible action steps for things that I could actually do. I felt like there were some things that I was worried about that I was able to release and give to God in that moment. And, um, you know, this was not like an instant fix, but it was a journey towards processing and dealing with this adversity in a different way than I ever had before. Um, and so as I was doing that, I started just writing out the process that I was going through. And before you knew it, I had the book. So the turning point um, was a moment of desperation of me sitting in my backyard begging God um, to show up and him reminding me that he already had. Yeah.
0: And uh, even just in my life, and if just other people that I've talked with, it, it really just does seem like it's that moment of desperation that you were talking about that, like, yeah. I don't know what it is, but it, but it just forces us to, like, look up or look for help outside of ourselves yeah. and everything.
1: Yeah, uh, well, the, the scriptures tell us that his power is made perfect in our weakness, right? And so in moments where we decide to not try to white knuckle it through um, and figure it all out on our own, but to actually admit that we're weak and we're broken and we need help. That's where we see the power of God fully on display. And so, yeah, I, I I think that's part of the design that it's required for us to identify our own brokenness for us to realize our need for Jesus.
0: Why do you think that's so difficult for us?
1: I think pride, you know, is a big part of it. Like, nobody wants to be the charity case. No one wants to be the victim. Nobody wants to to be the one who can't figure it out on their own and who has to ask for help. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it um, for, for some of us. I think for others of us, honestly, we like being the victim. We like being in seasons where, you know, we can just kind of complain and point a finger to somebody else. And, um, you know, so to make the decision that we're not going to to – kind of live in self-pity or to make the decision that we're not going to try to figure it out on our own, in both cases requires a level of humility. Um, and when we can come to the cross with humility, we find, we find hope and we find help. So, Mm -hmm.
0: um, as you were talking, I I was just having, uh, just this question that just came into my mind of like, do you think it's possible for us to, uh, to like realize our brokenness without getting to that moment of desperation,
1: you know that's a really great question. I think so. I mean I know I know a bunch of adults and students who haven't had super duper hard stories, but they have still made a decision to follow Jesus. I think our our brokenness doesn't have to be based on hard circumstances. Um, we all have brokenness in us and it may be a pride issue it may be a lust issue it may be a um, you know a lying thing or an over-exaggerating thing you know I I don't think it has to be that you get to rock bottom and you're like god help you know it, it could very much be gosh I realize there's some things about me that I don't like and I've tried to change them and I can't figure out how and there's this brokenness in me and I don't know what to do with that. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know that it has to be a season of desperation. I think I know too many people who follow Jesus who haven't had that like rock bottom moment, um, but who realize in their own life, there, there are things that that I can't fix in me that I don't want to be. And maybe uh, that points to an issue that's bigger, you know, that, that I need some bigger help for. So,
0: mm-hmm. What do you think is the hardest part of facing adversity?
1: Gosh, the hardest part of facing adversity, I think it's the unknown. I think it's not knowing that it's coming. Um, I think it's walking into a season and not knowing that you, if you can or what you can do about it. Um, I think it's our need for control, right? Like as human beings, we want to put everything in order. That's the way our brain works, is to try to order and organize things and to make sense of things. Um, And so when something happens that we can't explain or something happens when we can't fix... Uh, it It breaks our literal system. Our system is designed to organize and order and and figure out how to problem solve. And when we can't do that, the system breaks and it makes it very difficult to respond. So I think it's it's hardwired in us um, to not to want unexpected hard things to happen and we have to figure out how to respond in a way um, that's healthy when it does.
0: Mm-hmm. what What's helped you? In uh, in the times where you feel like you don't have control, to um, to just become content or like open handed with that.
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> I would say this is kind of a, a maybe a unique thought. I would say in every situation you have more control than you think. Actually, um, it's the problem is we can't control the things that we want to control. But it's not a lack of control that's the issue. And so I think the, the practice is honestly redirecting our control rather than trying to release all of it, right? And so one of the exercises that we talk about in the book is literally writing out a list when you're going through a season of adversity of all the things that are concerning you and then circling the things that are in your control. And what you've circled, you can now create action steps for, but what's left uncircled, you have to release those things to God and go, God, you're in control. You're bigger than I am. You're stronger than I am. You can handle this. You know the future. You have plans for me. So I'm going to give the things that I can't control to you, but the things that are in my control, I'm going to do to the best of my ability. Um, And so those can be really small Think like your attitude in the season of adversity that you're in, right? Like, you can't control what's happened to you, but you can control your attitude and how you respond while you're in it. Um, it could be little things like conversations that need to be had, right? Like, you can't control a wrong that someone has done to you, but you can decide that you're going to be the person that forgives them first and to make the phone call or have the conversation. And so, um, I think it's slowing down for long enough to identify and understand what is in our control um, and realize that the things that we want to control, we may not be able to. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah and i'm sure uh and part of it is you know you talked about the three questions that we need to ask during adversity To can you just unpack that a little bit and how the those can be helpful to us whenever we're facing like
1: hardship yeah absolutely um i'm going to give a surface level definition uh because most of this is in the book so i don't yeah. want a whole book away in one podcast but yeah uh the, the general ideas are what's in my control. So that's what we just talked about, right? Like identifying the things that are in our control and releasing the things that are concerning to us. Um, how can I grow from this? And we talk in the book about practical ways that you can actually grow grow through a season of adversity. The worst thing that people say is that time heals all. That's a lie. Time doesn't heal anything at all, actually. We all know stories of people that over time um, have gotten worse and the relationship has gotten worse and things haven't actually changed at all. Um, And so time doesn't heal anything. What something is change over time right and the same is true when it comes to adversity adversity in and of itself will not grow you going through a hard season is not going to make you a better person or a more mature and complete person but if we lean in and we'll do the work um, and we'll invest in our season of adversity we actually can grow because of it. And so we talk about a couple of ways to practically do that, how can I grow from this? And then the last question is, who can I help because of this? Um, the reality of every season of adversity is that it it puts you in a unique situation where you may have interactions with a unique group of people that you would have never had the opportunity to impact um, had you not been going through what you're going through. And so I think of the cancer patient, Um, who doesn't know how many days they have left to live. It's an extreme adverse situation. extremely difficult. I don't want to downplay that at all. Um, But I also know stories of cancer patients who decide I'm going to make it my mission to show the love of Jesus to my nurses and my doctors. And what they're doing in that moment is going, I'm in a unique situation, and now I have access to a unique group of people. I'm going to leverage this opportunity to be the light of Jesus. I'm going to ask, who can I help? Um, because of what I'm going through right now, and those are the stories that amaze us in our faith, right? Like those are the stories that people look at and go, "I don't understand how you could be that person. I don't understand how that's possible." Um, and that's where we get a, a chance to put the the glory and the goodness of God on display. So, those are the three questions: What's in my control? How can I grow from this? And who can I help because of this?
0: What which of those questions is maybe the most difficult for you to to ask in the midst of adversity?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the control thing, right? Like it's what we were just talking about. It's being, being able to go, there are things that are in my control, but they're not the things that I want to be in my control and being able to release uh, the things that, that I want to control to God and going, you got this, I don't, I trust you. Uh, that's definitely the hardest for me, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Can, can you talk about what, what role maybe other people have played in helping you overcome adversity?
1: Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I say in the book is that the second to Jesus the best thing that God has given us is us, right? And so um, community is so important. God God demonstrates this from the very beginning of time. He's a triune God. He's three in one. His very essence is community. And so we know as believers Um, That community is extremely important. Paul takes it a step further and tells us that we're the body of Christ and uses this long analogy to basically explain that everyone has a part to play. And if we aren't playing the part together, then the church is incomplete. You can read through Acts and see the story of the early church and see how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that they shared everything that they had, that they um, they would sell their own property and possessions to take care of those who were in need in their community, that they ate together, they hung out together, they did life. Together, um, And so all throughout the scriptures, we see the need and the importance of community. Yet when we go through hard things, our natural tendency is to run from community instead of run to community, right? Like we want to figure it out on our own, or we want to sit in a room by ourselves and wallow in it. Um, But in actuality, the easiest and the best way to grow um, is to lean into some other people and let them carry your burdens with you and let them lift you up when you can't lift up yourself and let them point out the good in you when you can't see it. Um, and let them show you how far you've come when you're not aware of it. And so I've had some really great friends in my life who have done that for me. Um, I immediately think of my friend Reed Moore, who's a student pastor at Passion City Church. Um, I think of my friend Joseph Sojourner, who I talk to on a daily basis. I think of my friend Marquise Cox, um, who's at North Point as a student pastor there. And these are three guys that I talk to on a daily basis, um, who are constantly challenging me, growing me, pushing me to be better, but also encouraging me and um, affirming me and showing me the areas that I feel like I'm failing, where I actually may be doing better than I think. So community is so important. We have to lean into it for sure. Mm.
0: Let's uh, maybe switch. Cause we've been talking about a, a lot about the person who's going through adversity, but we, we also all have friends who are going through adversity at some point. What would you say to the person who like they have a friend who's going through adversity and they're just not sure what to do. Do they reach out? Do they not reach out? just all of that. What would you say to that person?
1: Yeah, I would say it's always better to offend with your presence and your absence. And so I would say you reach out as often as possible until they tell you to stop. Um, you don't want the story to be at the end of someone's hardest season of life. Where were you? Mm-hmm. You would rather it be, Hey, you showed up way too much. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to err on the side of being annoying because I showed up too much. Then Uh, being concerned that they're going to be annoyed that i was there so
0: wow that man that's just a really powerful idea i'd rather offend you with my presence than with my absence um yeah uh i think at some point whenever we've uh all faced adversity we've probably just wondered um is it worth it to continue i'm not even uh and in some cases, uh, it could be uh, people who are struggling with mental health or even considering suicide. But sometimes it's it's just, uh, hey, I'm not sure if it's worth continuing to work through this adversity that I'm facing. I'd rather just give up on trying in the adversity. Sure. What, what has helped you continue to push through on adversity, even whenever it's tough, even whenever it's difficult, or you want to give up?
1: Yeah, I mean... I think you have to look into the future and decide who you want to be before you even try to deal with the adversity that you're in. Right. And so if you start with the end in mind, then it propels you through the season of adversity that you're in and it causes you to respond in a different way. And so I think it's slowing down and going, okay, what do I want to be true of me on the other side of this? What person do I want to be? Um, what do I want my life to look like? How do I want to impact the people around me? What do I want people to say was true about me as they watch, watched me walk through this? And answering some of those questions allows you to look at the season you're in with different perspective. Um, and so, yeah, I would say look into the future, decide who you want to be, um, and then and then deal with what's in front of you
0: what have you learned through some of the adversity that you faced that, uh, that you wouldn't have learned without the adversity?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I've learned dependency on Jesus, you know, like had I not gone through some hard things, I don't know that I'd be as dependent on him as I am. Um, I think I've learned that I'm more resilient than I think, um, that there's, that there's more fight in me than I realized. And, um, it's easy to want to give up, but I've learned that it's it's possible to push through. Um, and I think most of all, I've learned that that there's goodness in every season of adversity. Um, you even think about the idea of Good Friday. It's such a contra- contradictory idea that we would call the day that Jesus died on the cross and suffered his greatest adversity good, right? Um, and we know it's good because we're living in the in the benefit of what Jesus did on the cross for us. But when we face our own adversity, uh, it's hard to see that it's good because right now it's just hard. And so um, I think I'm learning and trying to understand more uh, and have learned in in recent years, man, like every hard season, if it makes me more like Jesus is good. And every hard season that allows me to share the gospel is a good thing. So, yeah.
0: What are some uh, misconceptions that you've either discovered in yourself or you've seen in other people about adversity?
1: some misconceptions
0: yeah like what are some things that are some beliefs that people believe uh about adversity that may not necessarily be true
1: yeah i think uh people will ascribe every hard season to god Um, which I don't think is fair or accurate, right? Like we know from the story of Genesis that a lot of the brokenness, if not all of the brokenness in our world is a result of sin. It's the original sin of Adam and Eve led to a lot of the hurt and heartache and pain that we face in our life. Now, I'm not saying that God's not sovereign. And depending on your theological view, you may completely disagree with me on this. Um, But I do think it's, it's hard to point every negative thing that happens in your life to God. I think we also have to take personal responsibility for our own decisions. But I also think we have to be aware that because there's sin in the world, because we live in a broken world, that adversity is a part of the story. And because of the decision that was made by our ancestor, Adam, right? And so not every hard season is God testing you. Not every hard season is God putting you through something difficult. Some hard seasons are just a a reality of a broken world um but god is faithful to use our broken seasons for good right like that's romans eight twenty eight that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose and so um i don't know that we should always be blaming god for the hard things that happen in life i think we should be blaming sin for the hard thing that happens in life and then thanking god that he would choose to redeem our sin um, and allow us to see beauty from ashes so
0: well, I I do have a couple other questions what I want to ask, but I don't want to leave uh the topic of uh, adversity without just saying if somebody's going through adversity right now, obviously we want them to pick up the book when life gives you lemons, but what would be just be of a word of encouragement to the person who's just going through an adversity right now and they're just not sure what to do.
1: Yeah, I would say I would say one it's okay to grieve the season that you're in. Um sometimes i think we like to put our heads down and rush through it and not acknowledge the pain of the season that you're in and so if you're going through a hard thing it's okay to slow down and go this is hard and i didn't ask for this and i wouldn't wish this on someone else and so i'd say first grieve the season that you're in but then i would go back to the thought that i mentioned earlier you have to see the potential and you have to be willing to look into the future and decide okay when this is all said and done who do i want to be and so i just say to you right now that whatever you're going through is a chapter in the book. It is not the end of the story. And the reality is, is that you have an opportunity to turn the page at some point. And I don't know when that is, but eventually you will get to turn the page on this chapter. And when you turn the page, the beauty of our stories is that the next page is blank. And with the help of God, you get to write what the next chapter is going to be. And so uh, grieve it, acknowledge it. Know that it's hard, but also know that there's a better future ahead, um, and you get to be a part of writing that story about how you respond today.
0: What's helped you learn how to grieve well because i I don't think that's something that we learn naturally in in our in our culture. So what's helped you learn how to do that well?
1: Yeah, I mean if you if you look up and, and kind of study the five stages of grief, you know that it's none of those are linear. We all kind of walk through these five stages at different points, different seasons. Um and sometimes we revert back to an old uh state of grief, and we move forward, and then we go backwards, and it feels like we're constantly wrestling with it. Um, I think understanding those five stages one is helpful, um, so that you can identify where you are and how you're processing. But I also think like taking time to be self reflective, we move at such a rapid pace that we don't have time to really slow down and disconnect and understand what we're feeling, what we're wrestling through, um, how things are actually going with us, and then also to connect with the Father and allow Him to speaking to where we are. And so I think the process of grieving requires us to slow down in the world that's telling us to speed up.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's a couple of, uh, questions that I've just always, I always love asking people is, uh, who are some of your favorite people that you're learning from
1: right now? Some of my favorite people that I'm learning mm-hmm. from yep. right now, Andy Stanley for sure. Um, Craig Rochelle. I listen to a good bit. Uh, Stephen Furtick I'm listening to a lot um, honestly in my personal life though right now I have a friend named Hannah Hall who's a licensed professional counselor um, and she's kind of helped me with some of the complementing parts of the uh, When Life Gives You Lemons project and I've just been learning a lot from her as a counselor and her perspective on anxiety and adversity and, and the way that we bounce back from that um, but then I think the biggest thing that I'm learning from right now and this is like a, a Unconventional answer to the question that you're asking because I'm not going to point to like some massive leader. Um, The people I'm learning from the most right now are my little girls, and they're teaching me a lot about my own character, my own heart. Um, They're teaching me a lot about who God is as I as I look to them and care for them. Um, I'm just learning a lot more about me and about God, and that's been just a really sweet season for me. Mm
0: -hmm. What what would you say? uh, Would you say that's something that you've learned from them?
1: Yeah. So there was one particular night, uh, one of my girls was crying and she would not go to sleep and she was having some bad acid reflux. And so she was kind of slamming her head all over the place and um, just screaming. And she was clawing at me, like, like literally pulled out hair from my chest, like just like losing her mind. And what she wanted was a bottle. She was hungry and I was holding her with a bottle in my hand, Um, but I could not give her the bottle because she was so busy freaking out. And I just had this moment where I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, when you go through hard things, this can be you. That you freak out, you bang your head against the wall, you claw all over the place, you're turning your head every possible way, trying to find the solution. And The reality is your father in heaven has exactly what you need and exactly what you're looking for in his hands. What you need to do is slow down and breathe and trust that your father wants to take care of you because that's what was true for my little girl in that moment, um, and that's what's true for us in every moment with our father. So,
0: what what have you learned from uh, the the counselor Hannah that you were talking about that you maybe you were surprised about?
1: Yeah, uh, I think one of the biggest things that we, we've been talking about anxiety. So, when the book comes out uh, on June 15th, which, if you're listening to this, is probably already out, um, it comes out with a course. Um, it's a 15 video course with 11 exercises that Hannah and I put together. And the the course is um, some of the concepts from the book around adversity, um, but the gold of the course is actually the content around anxiety. And um, one of the things that I learned when I was writing the book is that adversity and anxiety often go hand in hand. You go through something really hard, you have feelings of anxiety as a result. Um, and so I asked Hannah if she would come in and she would help me. Uh, help people practically battle the anxiety that they may be feeling, and one of the things that she said to me that I just thought was super interesting and i'd never really thought about anxiety in this way um, is that anxiety is a very physical experience um, it's uh, you know you can feel it in your chest, you can feel your chest tightening, you can feel shortness of breath you can feel the anxious feelings and because it 's such a physical experience, um, it can actually be battled with with physical exercise right so like if you go to the gym and work out if you go for a walk if you go for a run um, if you do the right kind of breathing exercises that there are actually physical things that you can battle this physical feeling when for me i always thought of anxiety as kind of a mental emotional thing rather than a physical expression and so i thought that was super interesting
0: And then uh, just the last question I want to ask is if you could pass on three lessons that you've learned in your life right now, what would they be?
1: Yeah, I think one, I would say um, that it's important to learn to slow down and disconnect. Um, I feel like my own rhythm as a three on the Enneagram is to run, 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 run. And I've just learned that I'm a healthier version of myself. I'm more present as a husband, now as a dad. Um, I'm a better pastor, a better leader, a better friend when I slow down and disconnect and spend time with God. Um, and so I'd say that's, that's probably the biggest lesson for me right now is to slow down and be present. That's kind of my word for the year. Um, I think the other thing that I'd say, I was texting with a friend this morning, is that sometimes we don't see the faithfulness of God until we take a step of faith. And so I think one of the things that I've been learning in recent years is the thing that seems hard and scary to do is often the thing that you need to do to experience the faithfulness of God. Um, And so if you never put yourself in a position where you need God, you're never going to experience what it's like to have him. And so um, I think that's that's probably the second biggest thing that I've been learning is I have to be willing to take the hard, scary step and then trust that God will be faithful in it. Um, And then lastly, I think I would say like, And, you know, this is going to sound super cliche. If you've been in ministry for a while, you're like, yeah, everyone knows this. But I think it's easy to know it in your head, um, but not live it with your life. And so I think I would say family is your first ministry. And um, we all know that intuitively. But I think if we looked at the hours of our day and the time we spend um, in our calendars and where it's spent, um, I think we would quickly see that maybe our family is not our first ministry um, based on our calendar and based on. Um, the way that we spend our time and so i want to be better at being with my girls and being with my wife and being a present dad Um, i want to be the reflection of our heavenly father as an earthly father and uh, i know that every parent messes up their kids in some way but i want to minimize that as as much as possible and so yeah I'd, i'd say whatever your family structure is like it's important to lean into it even if you're single and you don't have kids yet you're not married yet like you have a family and investing in your family in this season You'll never you'll never regret doing that. So yeah, those would be my three.
0: As a fellow three on the Enneagram, I'm I'm curious uh, to hear what what's helped you slow down because you know that that is a I'm very natural like gas pedal. We're moving forward no matter what type of person, and I'm always just curious to hear from other people about what what are the practices that you've put in place that have helped you move at uh, at a slower, more sustainable pace.
1: Yeah. There honestly isn't a practice. It's a choice, right? Like I've decided I am going to carve out time in my calendar to disconnect from the busyness of life. And there is no daily practice that I can do that's going to make me do that. I have to go in my calendar and go, I'm scheduling like I would schedule a meeting, a podcast, a, a writing session, a speaking, whatever. Like I go like I would schedule anything else. I'm going to schedule time to disconnect and be with the Father. And if I don't do that, it's not gonna happen. Right. And so um, yeah, that's 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 my method. It's I'm gonna go find three days to get away and go be with God. I'm gonna find an hour today. Uh, to carve out and not allow anyone to book that time in my schedule. And that's still a work in progress for me, you know, still figuring it out. But um, the more and more I do it, the better and better I feel. So.
0: Well, Gerald, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Highly encourage people to go pick up the book when life gives you lemons and the course. So where's the best place for people to go to pick up the book and find the course.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you go to thelemonbook.com, thelemonbook.com, you can get all of the information there. Um, there's also three free exercise, three free exercises. Uh, Hannah and I wanted to make it as accessible as possible, and so if you don't buy the course, uh, we took our three best exercises from the course and put it on the site for free, um, and so you can have that and work through that as well.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for thanks for just doing the work of just creating this. For other people, it's a much-needed resource.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Harold, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. It's always great learning from you. And thanks so much for writing this book as well. And if you're listening to this, I highly encourage you to pick up the book as well. I don't know if there's probably a better time uh, for this book. It's incredibly timely and highly encourage you to pick it up, especially if you find yourself going through some adversity right now. And if you're not currently going through it right now, it might be worth picking it up because at some point we're all going to face adversity in our lives. And so Gerald, thanks again for writing the book and thanks for being on the podcast today. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I just want to remind you that the music that you're listening to is brought to you by my good friend, Sam Massey. If you have any audio or video needs, be sure to hit him up for any of that stuff. And thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. Thanks for choosing to be a part of this community. I know that listening to this podcast is an investment of, of your time. And I'm incredibly grateful that for that. Very appreciative of it as well. And um, always always looking for new ways that I can help. And so if you have anything uh, that you are that you have ideas for that you would love uh, help with, I would love to talk with you more about that. And you can hit me up on my uh, Instagram, which is Caleb J. Mason. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Mason podcast. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.